Andy, my dude, have you heard of the magical website builder known as Squarespace? Ugh, not another Squarespace ad. I feel like every podcast is sponsored by them. <laughs> hey, 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 don't knock it till you try it. Yes, okay, it is overhyped. But actually, it lives up to the hype. Squarespace is like a website fairy godmother. With a click of a button, your site transforms into a beautiful masterpiece. A website fairy godmother? That sounds interesting. What makes it so magical? Well, for starters, those slick templates make anyone look like a professional web designer. Pick one, customize the colors and fonts to match your brand, and voila. Plus, the drag-and-drop fluid engine is so easy, your grandma could build a site on Squarespace. Well, she did knit me a lovely scarf last Christmas. Maybe website design is next. Exactly. And when you're ready to sell your Nana's handmade scarves online, Squarespace has built-in e-commerce. Add a store with one click. Get flexible payment options. Then watch those sales roll in. And when she wants to teach others her steezy scarf skills, Squarespace's new courses feature is just the ticket. Nana can set up her curriculum and enrollments and payments in a snap and become the next e-knitting influencer. Wow, you really sold me with the grandma angle. Sign me up for that free try. Just go to thenextreel.com slash Squarespace and transform your site into a beautiful Squarespace masterpiece. Well, thanks, Pete. Even though it's overhyped, Squarespace actually sounds perfect for Nana's site's needs. Appreciate the warning on the ads, though. I'll brace myself next time I listen to a podcast. Anytime. Let me know if you need any help getting that site up and running. Andy, can you believe we've almost hit 700 episodes of The Next Reel? I know, it's crazy. And with all the other episodes in our family of podcasts, we are well over 1,200 episodes of movie conversation. It's really pretty amazing that we've gotten to have these in-depth movie chats every week for over a decade now. And we couldn't have done it without our loyal community of film fans. Their support over the years has meant so much. For sure. That reminds me, we should give the merch store a shout out. Buying shirts from thenextreel.com slash merch is a great way listeners can continue to support the show. Plus, they get to support our great designs. Absolutely. I think sometimes folks forget we have a variety of shirts, mugs, phone cases, and more available. In fact, a great place to start is with a shirt sporting the Next Reel's logo. We also have that classic Fast Times Spicoli Surf School tee, or the weirdly popular Rusty's European Tour shirt. The one from National Foods European Vacation. Why is that so popular? <laughs> Search me, but we have sold a ridiculous number of those. I guess there are a lot of Rusties taking trips to Europe? We're always adding new designs based on movies we've covered, like our brand new design for a streetcar named Desire, featuring a streetcar named Desire. So if you want to rep your love of TNR and films, head to thenextreel.com slash merch. Every purchase helps us continue to have these weekly in-depth conversations. So visit thenextreel.com slash merch today. And as always, thanks for listening and being a part of the Next Real community. We've got lots more great movie chats coming your way. It's an instinct. together we're not alone good people will fight if we lead them people keep telling me they know me 
no one does. Welcome to the end. It's the film board from the next reel on Rashpixel.fm. We spoil movies, and this month we've reached the end of a decade. The end of a legendary science fiction saga and the end of, well, the end of this list for now. Star Wars, The Rise of Skywalker snuck very quietly into theaters this week for you and your family to celebrate that wonderful tradition of gifting cash to Disney and its creative properties. The Star Wars movies have been super favorites of our gang of thugs in the past, so I'm excited to talk about this exciting finale. But before we get started, if you're listening to this show, make sure you go check out all the geekly details about The Next Reel's extended family of podcasts at thenextreel.com. There are fun ways to join us in our global community of stimulating movie conversationalists there. So give us a shout so we can continue the conversation with you. If you like what we're doing here, the best way to support us is over at patreon.com slash thenextreel so we can keep bringing the bringing the gathering of the group together forever although one line from this movie was actually no one is ever really gone so let's introduce our host tonight good evening pete wright i was told there would be more jellical cats <laughs> counter programming <laughs> it's good to see and hear you here andy nelson it's good to be seen and heard you all know me as JJ, and we, Special Three, would like to give a wonderful welcome back to a special guest host coming to us from the Nerd Critic Podcast. How are you, Jordan Peterson? I'm doing so well. I'm so pleased that you guys invited me back. It's proof not only that, uh, well, it's proof that I didn't fail the first time, is what it really is, <laughs> which is so nice. Well, and it's especially good to have you here on this one because we love what you guys do over at Nerd Critic, but also to talk about what you guys do there in terms of how you spent this past special Star Wars week. I was wondering if you could talk about that and then a little bit about the special vibe on the Nerd Critic show as well. We did a whole week of Star Wars. On Monday, we did an episode on The Force Awakens. On Wednesday, we did The Last Jedi. And then uh, and then on Friday, on the day it came out, we released our episode on uh, the rise of Skywalker. So um, it's we've been we've been very saturated with Star Wars this last week. Um, and our show normally we do uh, two episodes a week. We do an episode on Friday where we cover the biggest movie from the previous weekend, and then we do an episode on Monday where we pull a movie uh, figuratively or literally off the shelf and cover it. Um, some big classic uh, for Star Wars week. We basically did two off the shelf episodes, for lack of a better description, and uh, and then our big. Friday movie was was that Friday, not the the weekend previous. So, um, yeah, it was a little bit of a of a special occasion for us. Uh, we worked extra hard. We had a lot of hustle. I don't want to spoil anything from that episode, but uh, I guess the one little thing that I'll spoil is that I I woke up at four o'clock in the morning to see oh. that movie to see this oh. movie okay. at the wow. theater at five thirty a.m. <laughs> here in Los Angeles. Oh, Los so, Angeles. Uh, yeah. Yes. There you go. <laughs> Well, I listened to your show that released on the Wednesday, the December 18th show about The Last Jedi in prep for this. And let me just say that I'm a bit daunted by your passion and knowledge for the material. So uh, I think we should actually start with you on this one. So if you could talk about your feelings for the franchise, of course, that led you to this great, wonderful week of stuff, and then give us some of your initial thoughts on Episode Nine: The Rise of Skywalker. I'm honored uh, and very intimidated <laughs> to be going first. <laughs> um, I uh, I really so I feel 
I guess I guess first of all, I not to assume that everybody knows my history with Star Wars. Um, I grew up on these movies. Um, I don't remember the first time I saw any of the original trilogy Star Wars movies. Um, I grew up with them to in, to the point that you know by the time I had memories, I was electing to go rewatch them. <laughs> so um, I, I I've got very very deep nostalgic roots for this franchise, um, and I, I I would say I'm a I'm a big casual fan um i i'm not a i'm not one of the nerds that can actually recite statistics and facts and names um like an encyclopedia uh that's that's not really my style but i really have a deep love for these movies um i don't really love episodes one two and three and so when the force awakens was on its marketing journey to the world i was uh all full of the hype because i really wanted something that felt more like star wars than anything that had come out during my lifetime um so I've I I'm a fairly passionate supporter of the Force Awakens and the Last Jedi. Um, I, I I I haven't firmly come out to say that the Last Jedi is is my favorite or the best Star Wars movie, but like I've come pretty close to saying that. Um, and right now, my just first pass on the Rise of Skywalker is that I I'm feeling a little bit lonely <laughs> because uh, it seems like. People who really love The Last Jedi are really upset by The Rise of Skywalker, and I cannot blame them. And it also seems like people that hated The Last Jedi uh, either really like The Rise of Skywalker or also hate The Rise of Skywalker. Right. <laughs> I I actually um, and I've got I've got so much to say that I'm going to have to restrain myself pretty profoundly uh, not to waste all of the time that we have here. But just to. Just to say, I, I I really did love the Rise of Skywalker. Um, I also hated it. Uh, oh, so cool. there were there were things about that movie. Um, I guess to just really really briefly summarize, J.J. Abrams slash Disney did some things that they felt they had to do, and I and I'm so excited to hear what you guys' thoughts about that are. But I think with the decisions that they made fundamentally and foundationally, they did the best they could. Um. So, yeah, I I feel like I want to support this movie and I feel like I want people to love this movie. But I also am very, very eager to talk about why it's one of the saddest things that's happened in cinematic <laughs> history. <laughs> well, well, I think those are really good points. And I actually think you're not going to be as lonely in this group as as you think oh, with good. that stance. <laughs> I think I think you may find some uh, some some people who agree with you. And I think it's really interesting that you bring up the sort of uh, the sort of binary thing about. TLJ about episode eight and episode nine because I think we need to get into that a little bit too. So Pete, um, let's have you go next. If you can talk yeah. a little bit just about your 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 general fandom and then how this movie hits you. So my parents go back and forth in a a decades running duel with my uncle Tim uh, about who took me to my first movie. My parents swear that it was Bambi. Tim thinks that's Poppycock because he took me to my <laughs> first movie that was Star Wars uh, in theaters. I was too young to really recognize what I was doing, but the, the symbolic nature of that experience is not lost on any of us today. Um, and uh, it, it was important. And I had always been a, you know, a, a four, five, and six trilogist. You know, I mean, that was that was my trilogy. It's the one that I grew up with. It's the one I've owned on every possible media that is, has been released on. And uh, I celebrate it. And then the first movies came about, and I did not truck with the first one. It's a terrible, terrible film for me. And the second one was not so 
great, but it did some things better. Uh, the third one introduced this whole political element, and I was deeply intrigued by that. And I was deeply intrigued by the version of Palpatine that we got in that movie. And that that rings uh, really true to me today uh, as as I was watching episode nine. Then J.J. came, and then Johnson came. And you guys, after watching these movies back-to-back, I'm going to come out. I need to say something to 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 you all that I don't think I'm a four, five and six trilogist anymore. I Whoa. think I'm a seven, eight and nine trilogist. Um, I uh, episode eight is my favorite experience watching a Star Wars movie that I have had. And I had a damn blast watching this movie today. I felt like the the problems that I have with it are mechanical. They are strictly mechanical. Uh, I I have problems with, and we'll talk about that stuff, but uh, I did not have problems that other people seem to have with this movie. And I all I got to experience was joy. I finished the movie and I was satisfied with what they did. And I loved episode eight. So, to your point, Jordan, I'll be your unicorn. Great. Thank you. <laughs> we're, we're assembling the unicorns as we speak. <laughs> and that's good to mention, too, uh, that I think um, that there uh, there's there's different ways to look at this movie. And I think uh, I hope we have time to get into all of it because there's so much to talk about with it. Uh, Andy, uh, give us uh, your rundown on your fandom and then also what you think about uh, number nine here. Yeah, I mean, uh, like uh, everyone here, it seems, uh, I grew up watching the the original trilogy, um, seeing them all in theaters when they came out, and I just kind of grew up playing with the toys, everything. Um, and I've always loved them, uh, including the Ewoks. I, I love Return of the Jedi. Uh, the, the prequels, they came out, and, you know, I've never had as much a problem with them as so many people have. I mean, I definitely see the problems, and they're definitely largely at the bottom of my list still but they're still star wars films and i still have a great time watching them even though phantom menace is generally the one that i find the most boring um nothing is as bad as the clone wars movie that's that's really the bottom of the star wars barrel for no me. you're right man i forgot what you had to even bring that up thank you andy for <laughs> yes it's pretty it's <laughs> yes. pretty far down there um this this new trilogy i uh, i have really enjoyed i i enjoyed the force awakens and last jedi i definitely have problems with both of them um and then we get to this film and I think that I, I started feeling nervous about this film when I heard that J.J. Abrams was brought back in to direct it because I felt like, oh, okay, great. So now they're bringing on Abrams, who, you know, he did a lot of good stuff with The Force Awakens that I really do enjoy. But also I felt he was, you know, kind of uh, a, a nostalgia director. He was kind of giving people what they thought they wanted. And I was like, it made me nervous because it's like, okay, they're they're now in repair mode trying to fix what people think ryan johnson broke and bringing jj in to fix it and i was really worried about it and i uh frustratingly feel uh that i did find that that's largely what happened with this film it was a very frustrating watch for me i i rarely got very excited about the film i did not have the experience pete had with it um my emotional rises and falls uh, happened very uh, rarely, although they did happen. And there were some really amazing Star Wars moments in this film that I absolutely love. 
but largely I got to the end and I was frustrated. I was pretty frustrated with the film and felt that uh, it was a film designed to placate people after uh, a, you know a seeming explosion of internet trolls uh, made people feel that the the last Jedi had destroyed everything good about Star Wars, and it just it, this ended up being a frustrating watch. There's a lot of stuff that I love about it, but there's a lot of stuff that. I just I couldn't get past and I really had a hard time. Now, and Andy, I remember you were you liked The Last Jedi as well, right? Oh, yeah, definitely. Okay, I, so I, mean, I have I have my quibbles, right. but it still is uh, largely a great film. So this is one of the so Jordan, this is one of those, uh, you know, Andy is a person like you talked about once somebody who li- was on that sort of the side of the things where liked episode eight and episode nine. So for me, I was someone who didn't like episode eight and I do like episode nine. Seven and, and eight you're talking about. Well, I'm just talking about Last Jedi versus Rise of Skywalker here. So specifically, oh, okay. um, and and we, I want to get into some of the specific dif- difficulties that I had with eight that that I had with nine. So it's interesting because you know we have kind of all those people represented that you first set set us up with there, Jordan, which I think is really great here. For me, um, I feel <laughs> I feel vindicated by this movie <laughs> in some ways. I but I also felt like like you did in that I I felt the first third of the movie was trash. Like I, I and I and like you're saying, Andy, I never caught up with it. It was moving so fast, and there was no space for everything, and everything was a space battle, and there was no there was no time for us to even understand what was going on. But at some point. I can't even figure out when. Even as I was writing the rundown for tonight, I was thinking, when did I start? believing <laughs> when did i start believing in the force i don't know what it was but at some point i i went with it and one of the key differences that we're going to bring up specifically later on that i disliked about the sort of it, it, the the overriding philosophy of the last jedi got sort of rectified for me in this movie and i when we did our show on the last jedi we sat here and debated and i you know thought it it didn't get rectified the way that I thought it was going to get rectified, but it did. And so I got the ending that I wanted. And I think that's going to where I want to sort of start our conversation here, because it, Andy, you brought up this point that, you know, maybe they brought J.J. Abrams in to deal with the, uh, the the trolls from the Ryan Johnson disruption, which, uh, you know, I mean, you guys both loved Pete and Andy. And I, after listening to your show, Jordan, I know that you loved that, too, that 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 disruption of the the overriding institution that was there was representative of a another way to enjoy this sort of this whole creative idea. So if, if this is what we're seeing now, do we know for a fact that how, what parts of this were intended to be an answer for that disruption that so many of the fanboys were feeling, or is this, could this have been in the can? Do we know, or is this just what we're assuming about this? Anybody else actually have fact on this? I I searched high and low for anything definitive from uh, him, uh, from JJ saying, uh, you know, yes, we did X, Y, and Z because of of this stuff. And the most I ever got was, um, you know, we were aware in an interview. We were, of course, we were aware of that, and that was just the overall. He's used many more words, but the the tone and tenor of the message from the team has always been, you know, we're certainly aware of the atmosphere. I think Disney's a lot, uh, they police that sort of stuff a lot. So you don't end up getting much, unfortunately. It would be a total PR failure if we had like an inside scoop (laughs) on why JJ made the decisions he did. Right. Um, But I think, but I do think that you can, I I definitely have a problem with that, that stupid easy road of blaming JJ Abrams if you're unhappy with any of this, because I'm thinking like, 
oh, do we think that he had carte blanche create creative control over this? Of course not. <laughs> that, right. that's, oh, sure. that's impossible. Yeah. That's more fanciful than anything you saw in the movies. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I think J.J. Abrams is definitely not, like if you're going to credit or fault anyone for the giant changes that were made, I think might be my this is my totally my own perspective and my own assumptions. And I have no basis of, of fact for this. But I think that you can probably safely guess that Disney said certain things had to happen and then jj abrams did his best to make those things happen in an artistically satisfying way sure and i i think that's going to be the the nature of it i mean unfortunately he's in the position of being the director of the film so he is going to be the one who takes the blame because the director is often the one who the finger gets pointed at but you're right in a case like this kathleen kennedy and all of the team above really when when i'm saying jj abrams I'm really talking about all of them, although J.J., I think, is a director who is I mean, he's he's a safer director for those reasons, because he will he works with them to kind of, okay, let's figure out how we can do this. He's not, uh, you know, Lord and Miller coming in to shake things up with Solo. He's not, uh, you know, uh, Colin Trevorrow or he's not Ryan Johnson. You know, he's he's a director who they can count on as reliable and i think that i mean it might be decisions that that have been made above his his head that he has to fit you know now the puzzle pieces to make it work but he is the guy who says i will take those puzzle pieces and i will fit it to make it work the best of my abilities and that's the frustration is because he is that guy who's going to do that he's that and and that's the frustration i guess for me is that there the people above him are pushing for a director like Abrams rather than another Ryan Johnson. Well, I think it, the reason why I think it's important is because we all, well, you guys talked about, you know, how we all kind of loved or bought into the original trilogy. And the original trilogy, from what I understand, was always planned from A New Hope all the way to Return of the Jedi, right? How many changes were there put from the original idea between those three movies? And then you look at this, if there's this major change based on polling in this trilogy, that has, I think that has an effect on the way that someone experiences the separate trilogies, if we look at them that way. Also, I will say, Andy, I'm a huge Ewok fan. Return of the Jedi is still my favorite movie in all nine. And I love the Ewoks. Yeah. They're great. So, and I know that lots of people hate them, but whatever. Uh, but do. I, I wanted to bring that up, you know, and that's the thing. I mean, the, the thing that we really talk about here is this concept of fan service. And I think we're getting like, there's so much hate and there's so much uh, negativity about fan service out there. Uh, you know, how would you define fan service? I think the one major issue um, or the one major alteration that seemingly everyone was talking about was whether or not Ray's parents were really nobody. Like whether or not she was part of one of these dynastic families or whether she was actually just an orphan girl. And so for me, the heart of The Last Jedi was that central question. And Ryan Johnson made some really bold decisions that made The Last Jedi, I think, one of the most thematically important um, Star Wars movies that has ever been made. Um, and a really beautiful illustration of what I think is sort of the best version of the American dream, which is that anybody can make a significant dis difference in history. Anybody can accept the responsibility for becoming a, a hero. The Rise of Skywalker basically retconned that whole that, that whole idea. And no, it turns out that she is the uh, granddaughter of Palpatine. And so the reintroduction of Palpatine is the big bad basically tore out the heart that The Last Jedi had built. And it said, 
no, instead of having that really interesting and fresh story that matters a whole lot, um, what we're going to do is just repeat, rinse and repeat the same thing we've done over and over again. So I think there are two versions of fan service that we can talk about. What, well, there's a lot, there's infinite different versions of, that we could talk about, but there's two that I'd like to highlight. One is trying to make the best possible version of a thing, knowing, knowing your fans and what they love. But then also acknowledge that if you acknowledge that there's more than one kind of fan, then there are the there's a majority question like who what are the majority of fans want? And then there's also just the type of fan. And the the thing that bothers me the most about the, the rise of Skywalkers, it seems that it picked the, the worst subsection of fandom and it and it paid homage to those people. And the the worst subsection of fandom are the people who are not interested in good storytelling. They only want to see what they already expect and what they're already familiar with. So if I go to a movie and I think, I mean, it's why everyone was so, I I say everyone, it's why these fans were so upset with Luke Skywalker, the way Luke Skywalker was handled in The Last Jedi is because what they expected was a Luke Skywalker who was basically just another Obi-Wan because that's how, that's who they built up in their minds over the past 30 years. But what they got was something totally different. And so they got upset. But the thing is that what they got was way better and way more nuanced and way more meaningful. And it's the same thing with Ray. We're introduced to this really powerful, amazing, interesting character. And we think, oh, well, her parents are a mystery. So they she must be some part of some family that we're already familiar with in this universe. And then Ryan Johnson comes along and says, what if not, though? Like, isn't that more interesting? Isn't that a more interesting story? Doesn't it have more interesting things to say about who we are and what matters? And the. And yes, it does. But the fans, the worst version of the fans said, no, that's I I hate that because it's not what I expected. And so Rise of Skywalker comes along and says, "Okay, well, here's something that you expected. Uh, Have fun. And that, to me, feels like a huge abdication of artistic responsibility. And so that's that's why I started this conversation with this with the question that I did, because it's really key for us to either make an assumption or understand how this trilogy was put together, because and this is why I say that I felt vindicated. I don't I think I may be one of those fans, Jordan. So I need to apologize to you it, it right immediately. But my 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 point is that when we had our conversation about The Last Jedi, you know, so many years ago, um, the, both Pete and Andy were on the same page as you talking about this sort of the forces is everyone for everyone, this kind of thing. But in my my view as a fan, I believed that the dark side was lying. I believed that Kylo Ren was lying to Rey in this moment when he said your parents were nobodies. Now, that's not how I was vindicated in this movie. He actually believed their fake out, right? He, he, they had a story point to put it. But the, the point is, is that if we, if we assume that the two movies are detached and that there was a change in direction, that maybe then we think that they're abandoning this disruption. But if we make the assumption that maybe that they were working together and that this was part of a greater story, we could accept them as two of the same things. Is that a possibility or is our assumption uh, much more correct here that, again, that they're doing this as part of fan service? Because couldn't the the trilogy be a, a through line like this? I think that, I mean, it's kind of two points here that I think you're bringing up, JJ, because absolutely. I mean, I think the way that it was written absolutely works as far as the storyline for these three films, uh, you know, about kind of the reveal that that your parents are nobody only to find out, well, they were pretending to be nobody because they didn't want to, you know, for grandpa to find his granddaughter. Uh, it absolutely works. I think that the bigger question is beyond the story. And it's it's the theme of like, what is this actually 
doing to to the story because I think that Ryan Johnson, like like Jordan said, made a really interesting change to the story that brought up a great uh, a great alternate that I, I think you know look at uh, Spider-Man uh, into the Spider-Verse. I mean, it's the same the same message from that film. You know, anybody can kind of you know wear the mask, and I, I think it was it was such a great kind of concept. And I mean, we lose the whole Broom Boy. I mean, everything kind of is out the window. Because now it's like, oh no, we're not really, we're not, you know, the 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 puppet masters telling this story. We're not gonna, we're not gonna go with that anymore. And it, it just kind of shifts the 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 feel of the tone and the theme and everything. And that's that's the frustration I have with it. Can can I just say, I okay, first table stakes. This is the movie we got right. I generally am the person to get upset about the fact that I know too much about the you know the purported stories and politicking and who is upset that ryan johnson got you know sabotaged star wars and disney and what they're all doing and and all the mechanics i went into this movie really trying to free myself of that like sitting next to my kids and like looking at this movie through their eyes and uh in in doing that, I feel like I got a better experience than you guys did, because I wasn't thinking about any of of this stuff, of the the broom boy and the trade-offs and Ryan Johnson. He betrayed Luke Skywalker's character and spirit. I wasn't thinking about any of that. You know what I was thinking about? Those space battles were crazy cool. This movie had a texture of Star Wars that absolutely lived up to the nine movies previous. Well, let's say six. This movie <laughs> like just felt and sounded so rich and beautiful and the characters were great. And uh, the problem I have with it is that it demands a, a level of understanding or of awareness of what is in and out of canon to actually put the pieces together, the mechanics of like, how did Palpatine actually survive that? There's a whole movie in there about how Palpatine survived. And it is there. Like, there is material you can read that is legit describing how Palpatine went from falling down into the death, the bowels of the Death Star to alive and connected to the robot arm that kept him alive today. Like, didn't they show that right at the beginning of the two towers? That's supposed to be a joke. But anyway, <laughs> he fell, right? And then right. he still it lived. It was good. Okay. Yeah, he fell and he lived. And it's just the next movie. He comes back. It, like all of that exists. And that, I think, is a, fa- a central failing of this movie to people who aren't sitting in there thinking about just how much Ryan Johnson betrayed the lore of Star Wars, which I. Frankly, it it is it after this experience of two and a half hours of them tying up these loose ends, leading to one of the centrally like most beautiful closing shots that I have ever seen. Like it, it was it was so earned for me that experience that I'm just I'm kind of done with the other stuff. Well, unfortunately, we're here to talk about the other stuff. <laughs> 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 well, no, but that's true. But and I, I, I want to kind of prompt you, Pete, to tell you what, because Pete and I saw the movie together. You know, spoiler alert here. We watched it. I watched it with him. But one of the things that Pete talked about after the movie, and I want you to talk more about it, is the fact that he is a buy. He buys into both, you know, philosophies here. I, I love that you led by saying that, you know, number eight is your favorite. And this works for you, too. 
Is there something that you can talk about reconciling that? Because I think Jordan's right when he says, you've got all these people who think it's this fulcrum that you have to be eight or you have to be nine. There may be a way to enjoy them both. Well, I'll tell you what lets me what lets me reconcile your point, JJ, which is that y- you know this is about light side, dark side, and is the is the force for everybody. Is that it, it, actually the the first trilogy of this series was chock full of people who weren't Skywalkers who had the Force, right? It was chock full of discovering people all over the galaxy. The Jedi Council was all about picking people with the Force out of nowhere who uh, had the Force. The fact that they ended up being a sort of authoritarian ruler over who got to practice the Force said nothing about whether or not you could have the Force. It could The Force could be with anybody. And they called it midi-chlorians and that. That was so dumb. And that just was dumb. It, like, it's fine. Like, we've, I'm, I absolved myself that it was dumb and it's fine. Uh, and we can move on with that. But, but it really was it, like it celebrated the sort of egalitarian expansiveness of, you know, the force that people who were able to tap into this part of themselves got it. That lets me off the hook of, uh, of, of feeling that, you know, the force w- was the domain of the Skywalkers and the ruling class that sort of was around them. The other piece that I think is so special about eight was that it was a movie that thematically Johnson dove deeply into the theme of just like class and the warring class and like the way the war machine works and that uh, i feel like is a is actually a bigger betrayal for me if we're going to go down that road uh in this movie where it just like soft sells a lot of some of those fantastic themes uh that i i really did like so much from the last jedi and it it's just we're done with it that's it's fine i i like what i got but there is another movie out there that that would have made uh, one that satisfied me, you know, more. So, yeah. Well, it, some of the stuff that I think could be super frustrating, and I don't know if this was frustrating for you guys, but the, you, you start right with the opening crawl, right? I mean, so much supposedly <laughs> happened off screen. They used an exclamation point, man. That they used is an number point, one. And, That's and, the thing. <laughs> And now, are all the names supposed to be in all caps? Yes. Is that happened? Yeah. That has been that way. That's okay. legit. But the, for some uh, reason, with the with the exclamation park point, I think I thought all of it's fake. No, do you know <laughs> all of it's not real? The exclamation point. There is one other movie where they have done the exclamation point, and uh, it, it was it was the original. It was the not the original. It was the second trilogy. It was the Revenge of the Sith, where the first word is war exclamation point. Right, and if you're gonna use an exclamation point in the crawl, war is about the only word that merits it. <laughs> the dead yeah. speak does not merit an exclamation point. I was disappointed by that. Well, right. No, and I think you know, interesting that they sold the movie in the trailers with Palpatine as this like, there's going to be a Palpatine. You're not going to, you know, he's going to be. You're going to hear it and this stuff. But then they literally told us in the first line of the crawl <laughs> that everybody heard that Palpatine's out there. Like I, I don't. This is that a kind of stuff that, like, broadcast. Yeah. if we're worried yeah. about the retconning, again, this first third of the movie is when I really felt like, oh, okay, so you just want to tell us and you don't want to show us. Did anyone else have a problem with that? The first third of the movie um, was was the was the worst part of the movie for me. Like experientially, I, I had, you know, I described it later. Um, it took me a couple of conversations to get around to this metaphor. But I think it's fairly apt. If you know you're about to be slapped across the face and you know it's coming for a while and you know exactly when it's going to happen, 
it doesn't stop it from hurting when it finally does happen. <laughs> and, that, and that's, and that's, and that's definitely, that was, ex- that was almost exactly my, like emotionally, my experience with the first third of this movie is it, it was, it was painful. Um, it was frustrating, but thankfully I did prepare myself as well as I could for it. Because by that point I thought there was very little chance that it wasn't going to happen. I wasn't about to, you know, be that idiot that like held out all hope that it would go my way. <laughs> like I was like, this is not going to go my way. They're bringing Palpatine back. She's going to be related to Palpatine. Like everybody knows <laughs> what's going to happen here. And so um, it just, it just was, it was, it was fairly heart wrenching, but like being able to sort of survive the sting of that really, really sharp, per, like prolonged disappointment for the first, I'd say almost, almost nearly an hour of the movie, because I also really hated the Indiana Jones stuff. Like I hated it so much. I really hated the dagger. I really wait, hated the wayfinders. Wait, Jordan, what about the Goonies, the Goonies dagger scene? Oh my did gosh. It, Give me you... a break, man. <laughs> really? I just, it was, oh my gosh. Like it just, there's, it just, it, it feel it feels so cheap. And it feels so out of era. It feels like it just feels easy. And like, like, what do we, how do we, like, it, you can see the excuse building. Like, we have to get to this location. We have to get to this location. We have to keep the action going. What do we do? Well, let's introduce another prop. Let's introduce another, you know, it just, that, that bothered me so much. That said, I actually can tell you the moment that I got on board with this movie. And the moment I got on board with this movie was when Ray and Kylo Ren started fighting on the, in the, on the, ruins in the ocean and when that's when that started i was kind of able to sort of let all the other stuff go because i i went in very generously i was looking for reasons to like this movie and there were things that i liked before that point but like my heart wasn't in it until then and then by the end of that scene the way that that resolves when harrison ford shows up again i was in and like emotionally i was in and i could sense what was happening in terms of emotional resolutions and i was very very satisfied that said i will never get the end of the character arc that i so desperately wanted for ray ray's character arc was dismissed it was dismissed it's gone it's it does not exist anymore but if you want it you have to get it by the end of the last jedi because the rise of skywalker was no longer interested in ray as a person um she was just a repeat of every Star Wars hero we've seen up to this point. Luke, afraid of his dark past. Kylo Ren, afraid of his dark past. Anakin, like, contending with his darkness. Like, it's all the same damn story. (laughs) And I'm so sick of it. So when Rey had to go through those exact same motions, it was incredibly unsatisfying. I felt like I lost her as a protagonist. But Kylo Ren was so good. Um... And so many other parts of the movie were so good that I was able to just still feel it uh, throughout the second half of the movie in particular. That that might be the moment for me, too. And I was emotionally in when Harrison Ford showed up. I think I want to say this very quietly, but Ray is my favorite character in the entire universe. <laughs> um, Ray is? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, I, and I'm, then I want to say something that might be controversial. And, and I don't know how to look at it this way, but I've had conversations with some people and, and you know, listening to your show about The Last Jedi and, and understanding how we feel about disruption in, in society today. And I think for me, for everything that's happening in the world and in politics, and everything, I lack currently a belief in institutions. I don't understand any belief in institution. And specifically, after listening to your show on, on, on Wednesday the 18th, Jordan, I, it was the kind of thing of like, yeah, let's disrupt the institutions. I may have needed 
if we can call it fan service, I may have needed us to return to the the hero who's afraid of her demons, you know, this kind of thing. But I was thankful to come out of this movie actually believing in the institution that I grew up with, with this movie again. Um, I, I, I'm okay to let go of some things, but I also need some belief in some institution out there. Would your faith have been shaken in the institution if they had continued on the arc that they had established in movie number eight, though? Like, would that have, would that have destroyed your, your, you know, your faith in the, the institution of Star Wars? Because well, I got to tell you, my faith was shaken by this movie because, yeah. it, because it turned out that commerce and fear of uh, fan, like internet fan trolling, like hugely influenced a franchise that I loved that previous to this had love it or hate it. Star Wars up to this point had been mostly dominated by the artistic visions behind it. George Lucas had dictatorial control over this franchise for a long long time and jj uh, abrams had a lot of control over the first movie ryan johnson had a- an insane amount of control over the last jedi and people behind the scenes really loved it until the troll fans showed up so right. for me and, my faith was shaken in the artistic process that was motivating this movies up to, these movies up to this point and maybe my answer to your question is that I'm not sure because if we would have followed the arc that you guys saw and you guys loved so much in The Last Jedi, I might have been afraid of where it was going to go because I didn't know where it was going to go. So this was more welcome to me because it was back to the old But ways. wouldn't that have been good for you, JJ? Wouldn't that have been good know. for you? Wouldn't oh, that have been George, good for everybody? Know. Oh, sweet I'm, George. I'm conceding That's my fear. adorable. Here. I'm saying... <laughs> Yeah, you know, if but if we look at you know if we if we explode the metaphor and we say that um, that the institution uh, or the old ways is democracy, and we say that the disruption is actually the internet trolls, we could say that maybe the internet trolls won't bring down democracy. The, the institutions right. there are they're all jars of Snokes. That's all they are. <laughs> Just jars. Jars of, of Snokes. Snokes. <laughs> That's a good hashtag. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I, I'm glad you, you you had as much hatred for the first third that I did. Um, you know, Pete, you talked about the mechanical things that yeah, you had wrong with this film. Those were the things. What like, the heck was the pacing the in the pacing first third of this tough, movie? And the editing was rough. And I don't envy anybody who's on the production side of this, like putting this together. But I'm telling you, I I feel like there were so many sequences. Like as I'm watching them, I'm recutting them in my head. Like I'm giving just a few more frames here and a, a different angle there just like i'm sure the footage exists let's just let's massage it a little bit this is episode nine like if it has to be three hours let's go ahead and give it the three hours to breathe this movie did not breathe and uh and when it was like slowing down it wasn't slowing down in a way that that always like felt earned it was all it always felt rushed like the the slowing down where were dialogue scenes that still felt like freight trains like i just i i felt like this i I could have used this movie really taking some more time which is out of character for jj abrams too he's usually so good with pacing that's like one of the things that i recognize as one of his directorial like traits well, and I wonder, too, uh, Jordan, to that point specifically, had they leveraged more of what they had done in episode eight, they would have not had quite so much setup to do in this movie for the move, the story that they are closing. Right. I mean, yes. that that was just like interest paid on a debt that that never came due. You know, they they just they just let it go. So I, I feel that pain in this movie. And again, what I love about the movie and the time that I had was the the visual and sound oral experience of it today. Certainly uh, it did not leverage 
you know, what I think was just like, it was just a gimme. It would have been so easy to wrap this up and and do something really rewarding off of John, Johnson's work. Well, and to go with that, then there there were things that carried over that I really loved, right? I mean, we talk about this concept of the forced teleportation that ends up being a central way that they end in the final battles, right? We saw in The Last Jedi, you know, Ray and Ren sharing this sort of force area of talking and some of the rain comes through from one area to the other right and this kind of thing and then they use that to great effect in this movie i hated the first step the first instance of it when he rips the beads off her and he learns of course where you they, hated where that they, that oh, was I loved so it. great i love that was it. so great oh it felt, man in the moment it felt cheap because we hadn't seen that and they needed to find her and so what did he do to find her he you know that in the moment it felt cheap but then as it progressed and they continued to use it in the film as they destroyed the vader the yep. vader mask as they so good as, 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 that it got better and better and then with the final payoff of them sharing the lightsaber was just it was kick-ass man i mean yeah that moment it was it was like you know captain america picking up the hammer in endgame it was <laughs> it was the kind of thing i was like yeah i was i, I got all about it so yeah. it, it, you're right pete that that first third was wrapping up a lot of the stuff that they couldn't wrap up but then they did carry over some pretty cool things yeah, too they did well and i think that's that is the actually something i i don't know who said it earlier but it, it is one of the gifts of this movie is in of this this trilogy to the the skywalker saga is ray and ren and they are great characters they're just straight up great characters and uh and so i think you know using them using the 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 new stuff of the force in this movie which is just i mean it's great it's just new force stuff force time calls i love it let's have more of that i would love force to time, see force time calls force, yes. force time calls uh in other movies uh so force healing there's a ton of force healing and that of course is in canon elsewhere in comics in the books uh but i, I my understanding is and i'm i'm behind uh only one episode but my understanding is this week's mandalorian is the first time we've actually seen force healing uh done on screen uh and yes. so that's very exciting to me, and I love that. That's just a little force mechanical tie-in. Is is force meds? Uh, so the the leveling up the force is. I, I'm just eager to see more of what you can do with the force. Let's do it. Let's just what maybe what the hell? E.T. just has a lot of force power, and that's really what he was using. E.T. <laughs> yes. Andy, there's oh. the crossover. We we know he's in the universe. That's E.T. Right. was basically <laughs> just a poorly designed Yoda. It's right. <laughs> well, well, he was now, just he was let out of the Snoke jar too early. He just wasn't right yet. <laughs> so gross. I'm really glad you brought up uh Ray and Ren. I've already confessed very quietly that, you know, that Ray's my favorite character, but I thought I thought Adam Driver was really special in this movie. I thought that in the earlier stuff, I thought he was just one note and then when he switched to Ben, I believed him. Oh He's man! Well, I mean, I, I so I'll fight you about his performances in the first two movies. I think okay. that Adam Driver has been just sensational from moment one on screen in this trilogy. He is, I think, the sort of shining beacon that never, that is never bad <laughs> for like one second. And Ray is like a close second for me. And I think they were both fantastic in this one too. Yeah, agreed. agreed. And then, and then, uh, go watch Marriage Story because he never takes the saber out. And you just kind of <laughs> want him to start ripping stuff off. What other performances were special to you guys in this one? Any any of the other actors? Spec- I was actually impressed with Harrison Ford. I, I mean, that, that's not someone you expect that from. And I actually was in that moment with him. 
that was a it was a great moment it uh i I couldn't stop thinking while watching it that that was likely the scene that was going to be uh leia's if uh we hadn't had the unfortunate loss of carrie fisher um you know that she would that would have been her moment to kind of be there you know she would have gone there and been there to have that conversation with with him, which would have been great. I didn't even think of that, and yeah. I totally should have. You're right. Yeah. I, yeah. I found myself not distracted in a way. I went in expecting with the lowest of the low expectations of what they were going to do with Leia. I did. I felt like they used what they had. I did not find myself overly sort of distracted by hair models uh, like I was just in it. And I think that the send-off of Leia um, simultaneous to to Ben's, I thought was really quite touching. And I, 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 it, it worked for me, but I can totally understand, you know, not being able to let that go. I had that problem with the Irishman and I still can't let that go. And it's been weeks since I've watched the movie. So for those who can't get over the Leia stuff, I get it. I'm with you. It's fine. I will agree. Uh, I agree totally about Leia. Um, I'm going to, I'm going to voice probably dangerously a very unpopular what will probably be an unpopular opinion and that is that i think that uh han solo being the guy to show up or the character to show up for ben in that moment uh was way better than having uh, leia show up because he's the one that ben killed so i feel like if mom shows up i'm still not getting resolution with dad but if dad shows up and then the other part of that for me is that i think harrison ford is a better actor than Carrie Fisher. But um that's that's the really unpopular part of my opinion. No, I agree with I, it. I'm I like Carrie Fisher just fine. I yeah. think she's great and she's a lovely person and she's a lovely uh, addition to this entire franchise and and it wouldn't be the same without her. But um when it comes down to just pure acting chops like Harrison Ford's an OG, uh he's just really good. He's really, really good. And having him in that spot was a large part of the reason why I was able to emotionally invest from that point forward. Well, plus that had that great, I mean, it really went back to the Force Awakens scene, like word for word, pretty much, and allowed that scene to play out with totally different uh, tone, which yeah. was really nice. It was yeah. exceptional. Exceptional yeah. character moment. Absolutely. Uh, I also oh. really loved Os- Oscar Isaacs here. Um, uh, I think that he had a lot of, especially toward the end, um, the most, uh, which actually kind of amazed me because it was so predictable. and. Uh, yeah, sort of obvious, but it was so emotionally impactful for me that I was actually a little bit stunned in my seat how how emotionally impactful it was for me when he is despairing and then all the ships show up. And I was just like, I don't care that this was done earlier this year in Endgame. I'm 100% on board. I felt such a huge emotional uh, turn in that in that moment. I really... I was almost embarrassed with myself. Like I was crying. Like <laughs> oh, I was, I was too. That was a that well, was a big deal for me. <laughs> I, I'm glad you brought up the end game thing there, though, because with that, and then also with the uh, with uh, Palpatine and uh, Ray doing the I am I am moment, I was yep. getting into like I felt like I was an entertainment reporter going, who wore it better? Was it Marvel <laughs> or was it because? And, and for me, in both cases, End Game was better. But uh, but I guess like it was emotional for me here too. I just I just liked it better in End Game. So. I you know that the the whole snap sequence I. Uh, I feel like it, it 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 worked for me here too. It was fine. The uh, the I am said just because she's she is just really lovable in that sequence, right? She's lovable and like tough and uh, uh like just 
being able to see her channel a lot of the power that is just sort of haphazard. I did love what they did with Ray in, in allowing her to do force stuff a lot. Like, that's what I wanted. I wanted jumping and flipping around, and I wanted, you're okay that we're here, and those two stormtroopers, you know, oh, we're so glad you're here. So glad. Like, <laughs> that was just pitch perfect for me. Uh, yep. That she steps in in the cave sequence and heals the giant worm snake thing instead of letting them take it out, which is what they normally do with worm snake things. Uh, I thought that was really a, a touching little turn, too. So, I, yeah, I mean, I guess you could say all of those things were sort of predictable, but uh, fine. I, I worked for me. I found it was it was quite moving. So I, I don't try this at home, though. Her. You meet a giant snake thing. You take just, it out. You just take it out. Yeah. <laughs> what do we the stuff about Poe? I mean, to get back to Poe, I think it, it's nice that we find out we get little hints. But it, this is another example of one of those things that we it that I think just the average viewer of this movie probably doesn't know. Like, what is the spice? What are we referring to when we talk about Poe as a spice runner? Like that actually is a big deal in his character. And they gave it such a little tiny line in canon. Spice is a drug and he was a spice runner of Kijimi. And oh, that was a whole it's a, it's a he was a drug runner. He was a drug mule. And she uh, uh, Corey uh, Zori uh, was yeah. uh, Zori Felicity. She was uh, the head of the spice runners of Kijimi. And so he was one of her drug mules. And that's backstory that I think is kind of interesting but because it was just jammed into uh, the the movie the way it was I, I don't think they they gave a little bit of that history any time to breathe i like knowing that about poe i don't feel like i should have to read wikipedia extensively to understand that about poe uh to enjoy this movie that is a that is a failing of the movie. Well, but that's some of that stuff like world building that we love so much that, you know, they they throw these hints at you and you don't need all that backstory. Just the fact that it's there and it exists. And so I'm surprised that it bothers you so much because that's like so many times we say that's what we love. The fact that it's there and we don't need to have it all explained to us. And now we're describing how they made Solo. Right. I mean, like, this is the thing. Like, we have enough people who say we want that backstory. We get solo, which people, I think, look at as an entirely fan service movie. Right. Right. But it also wasn't well, well written. So, like, Solo's problem is that it's not a good movie. So it does. It's not, it's not a qualifier of whether or not it has too much fan service in it. It's a qualifier of it's not a good movie. You can you can love or hate fan service and still have the problems with the script, though. Exactly. That's, true. that's yeah. exactly my point. True. Like. Uh, I yeah, fan service is irrelevant in 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 the in the qualifying of a movie. Well, look at the difference between those and Rogue One, right? I mean, uh, again, Rogue One I think was a, a dramatically better architected movie, and there's plenty of stuff you can write off as fan service in that movie. Absolutely, hundred yeah, percent. Sure. Yes. When I think I, I mean we're talking about it a lot, but I think I think it warrants talking about because I feel like this is the 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 hype that's out there right now about this movie, either in the positive or the negative is the fan service part of it. Andy, I wanted to ask you a specific question because I saw that you listed in the discord, the thing about the sound editing, you had mentioned a couple parts that you really loved and stuff where it really hits you in the film. Can you talk about those a little bit here? Well, it was specifically one point with the sound and it's when, when the emperor kind of sucks the power out of uh, Ray and Ren or Ben at that point. And and does his lightning blast into the sky and hits all of the uh, the ships up there. The sound design of that lightning as it kind of just like blasts up. I mean, it like hit me in the chest. It was like such an intense sound and it just didn't stop. It was so great. I just I mean, it was just 
such a a solid wall of sound to kind of put together that was super effective. I loved it. It was the exact inverse of the Holdo maneuver in the last movie, which yes. I think oh, was a right. stronger sure. one for me in terms of grand effects sequence or like the grand Star Wars moments. That is still the number one for me. But the Emperor's EMP is uh, <laughs> it, it was was right up there. Well, and if it was an EMP, how long would it take for the ships to fall out of the sky? <laughs> they, yeah, they just did a lot of drifting. About that. I, I feel like that was kind <laughs> of enough. set up in the uh, yeah. <laughs> it, in the like you know this place, the Sith planet has some funny physics going on, right? They right. they played that That's off, fair. and right. well, they need yeah they need a an antenna to figure out how to get out apparently, that or was, at least the bad guys That's do. right. And the antenna they only <laughs> the had the one, but then there was the other one, but that was all. There's just only there two, two for yeah. 10,000 yeah. ships that they've been building. <laughs> there were two characters I wanted to talk about that got, I, I felt the short shaft in this real quick. One was Rose that I think is largely because they were catering to a lot of the toxic fandom. And that was really frustrating for me because I really loved her character. And it was, it was like the relationship that she was developing with Finn was completely cut off here. And and squashed. And I that really disappointed me. I feel like somebody has to live with that. I don't know who it is, but I want them to lose sleep at night knowing that they made a decision that was so based on the toxic fandom element that they didn't give that character a chance to flourish. And it is shameful. It is just shameful. I wish there was a different reason that you could think why they would do that. But that's all that it feels like here, right? I mean, I didn't love the Rose character in 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 The Last Jedi either, but it's just it feels really bad in this. How much she's gone to put to put a button on this because uh, I I wouldn't be a, a white male mansplainer if I didn't add my opinion here. Um, but, <laughs> but I um, I just uh, I agree completely. I also wasn't a huge fan of her character. Well, I would say her character. There was there were some missing pieces in the Last Jedi for me for her. But the fact that that it was that it was that she was done the way she was in this movie. Um, it really, you know, if this if if it's a poker game to figure out why certain things were done or why certain changes were made, I feel like Rose is the tell. And that's where the shame is, yes. is you can yeah. say like, oh, I know why you did those things now. It was because you were listening to the worst people on the Internet and the that's worst right. people on the Internet were not only uh, blind fans who didn't want to be surprised by anything, but a lot of them were also racists and sexists. So, yeah. yeah. Congratulations, good guys. Good metaphor for it. Yeah. yeah. The uh, the other character that I wanted to uh, express my disappointment uh, that was uh, cut short was Donald Gleason's General Hux, who I loved him as the perfect counterpoint to uh, to Kylo Ren in the last two films, and here he just he gets written out in just kind of the dumbest, most like typical script way, and it was just really frustrating to have him just completely just axed out of it uh, just to throw Richard E. Grant in, who I love, but it's like, why did that have to happen? I just don't know. It was very disappointing that that happened as well. Which isn't something that was retconned because I don't recall any upset, you know, over the internet that Donald Gleason was, you know, <laughs> at the end of anyone's uh, ire. So it was a strange one that, for me. I just wanted... That's the bluff. Yeah, that was the Rose bluff. Rose is the tell. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Hux is the bluff. Rose is the tell. I love the metaphor, Jordan. I'm going to keep going with it. Yeah. Uh, by all means. <laughs> I just, I, I love cameos. 
Uh, I love cameos. John Williams gets a cameo finally in the Star Wars movies, which was fantastic to see him pop up. And I also loved all the the voice cameos of all the other Jedi's, uh, a number of which from the animated show, which was really exciting to hear. That was they were awesome. Talking to mm-hmm. uh, to Ray, yeah, that was great. I loved that. If you're going to do something like that, once again, the best possible way to do it. It was it was really beautiful. Yeah, I, I'm the audio. So, super relieved we didn't end up with a Force Ghost wall. I, it was the the thing I was most <laughs> terrified about. I think going into this movie is look at all of the Force Ghosts now. And I made a joke. I can't. Write, it may have been in the thing that we did for you guys. It was that that you know everyone's a Force Ghost now. And there's Admiral Akbar there. He's a Force Ghost. And there's I mean it's just every who cares? They're all Force Ghosts. So was it a surprise though that Ben did not show up next to Luke and Leia at the end? though like i i was expecting him to show up because he and his mom disappear at the same time and i'm like where, why did he not show up because they because he was they were luke and leia were her surrogate parents parents they yeah. were they were both yeah. her and they were both her her uh mentors as well like she got training from both of them which i actually loved i mean speaking of I I know Pete, you said earlier it was one of the best class shots ever in any movie and i totally agree the last scene of the rise of skywalker to me uh that kind of forgives a lot like i i left generally feeling really happy with the whole thing because of that the way that it ended finally is in terms of the relationship that ray had with the skywalkers with ben solo and um and so yeah i think it to me perfectly justified that it would be luke and leia and nobody else i think you know two's company three's a crowd in that case I, I loved I, I love a, an incredibly practical use of the force. If I could force bury stuff, I would force bury <laughs> stuff a lot. I, that is that was one of the more fun moments of use of the force. But I also you, really you want to call both, out. But yeah. you're right. I really do want to call out the yellow lightsaber in terms of lore. That that was you it know, yellow or orange? It was yellow. yellow. It was yellow, and that's okay. important because in the the lore, yellow becomes uh, is the the role of the sentinel. And that is a, a particular sort of kind of force wielder, somebody who who uses and has tried to or spent their lives uh, and and study trying to find balance between light and dark. And uh, that there is this whole sort of uh, there a lot of of stuff in Canada about this these people being sort of protectors of the study, but not necessarily light side, dark side, and they can use like abilities like let's just say Granting lightning life. fingers and yes. uh, and things that that might be normally uh the domain of light or dark side in the, that case users and so i really like that she she did that the other bit of lore that i think is really nice that again average user doesn't think about when you get the if you're in Jedi study, you're building your own lightsaber. When you get your kyber crystal, the color bonds when the crystal bonds with the wielder. And so there it's it's almost like the sorting hat, right? It's like telling you, here's the color of your lightsaber, right? And I I think there there are two things that are interesting there. One, hers was yellow. Two, she repaired uh, Luke's original like, lightsaber after it blew up in The Last Jedi. And you can see the band around it. It's all... But the kyber crystal was broken. So she would have had to get a new kyber crystal and it would have had to rebond. I'm assuming it bonded with Leia because she kept giving the sword back to Leia saying, I'll earn it, I'll earn it, I'll earn it. That's the sort of thing that I filled into my head Um on, on that one. But I know that's been a, a big question. Uh, is uh, You know, I've been reading on Twitter, what about the lightsaber? And that's 
the lightsaber was there. I love it because, as I mentioned before, Ray's my favorite character. Yellow's my favorite color. It's like everything I mentioned, for all the cheap reasons, I got the ending I wanted. So Yellow's yeah, your favorite color? What a Seriously. weirdo. Guys, look right? at this weirdo. I know. <laughs> hate saber. Hate saber. <laughs> Can we just say one more thing about the music? Uh, and it's because I, so it's John Williams. He said this is the last Star Wars thing he's ever going to do because, come on, like he hasn't, Sad. He hasn't pulled his weight. Um, <laughs> I I often complain when I listen to John Williams adapting John Williams that um, there that it's just not like he has this dearth of creativity like it's it's just not enough kind of new I'm I there are some tracks on this score that are just breathtaking that I don't I'm not entirely sure they were used to their best effect in the movie you, they're there Anthem of Evil is an incredible choral piece uh, out of the exegel sequence, and it is stunning. And, and it's just representative of what I think is possibly, to my ear, one of his very best adaptations, and I hated the stuff they used in the trailer. I thought it was a musical tragedy, and this is, it, to me, the movie score was just redemptive. So just I, this is a question that I don't want you, you guys to spend too much time with, but I really want to hear your like top level thoughts. And mostly I don't want to spend an, a lot of time on it because I'm really squeamish about it myself. Um, what were the opinions on Ray kissing Kylo Ren when she woke up? Kind of confusing. I was confused <laughs> yeah. by it. I didn't yeah. understand it. I mean, I understand that they had uh, tension throughout the film, but I never or throughout the, the, the two, the three films. Right. I, but I never felt like. I was confused. I didn't understand what that meant. But I mean, I guess maybe there's a history of confusing kisses in the Star Wars universe. When you <laughs> another fan service. Here's brothers. another incestuous yeah. kiss for you guys. <laughs> <laughs> we know you've been you've been waiting. Yes. <laughs> you've been pining for a kiss that makes you feel uncomfortable. I had no idea go. it was going to go that way. Thanks, Reddit. <laughs> uh, I, you know, I was confused by it too, and. I, I uh, you know, because I, I think you could read it like depending on which microseconds you're looking at of the scene uh, or of the sequence, like you could look at it any number of ways. I uh, to me, it felt very much like his motivation was I need her to live and be strong and I need to give I've, I finally figured out how to force gift my life. And it's mine. It, this is going to be the trade that I I make for the wrong that I have done is she's going to live and she's I'm going to live on in her. And she was like, oh, um, you know, it maybe this is something maybe I've redeemed him and it didn't feel ever romantic. It felt just sort of joyous to me and that they had just sort of discovered intimate, each but other. Not romantic. Yes. Intimate, yeah. but not romantic. And so when he died and when his pallor just sort of changed, um, it, it, it felt okay to me. I, I don't know. I think it was, I guess it was confusing, but 
maybe not so much. I, I didn't feel like it was wrong. I never felt like it was wrong. And I felt like there was a little romance. And I didn't think that, that would have been anything wrong either, because I always felt like these two characters, if anyone is going to connect, yeah. it felt like there was a place for these two to end up together toward the end of the the whole run there was a tricky dalliance between her and finn at one point too and what yeah. there was yeah which then they kind of wrote that off and never returned to maybe i missed something but i don't think i did um finn was going to tell ray something the whole movie mm-hmm. and then never <laughs> did and yeah, now correct. never will <laughs> and so i wonder if they hadn't re-emphasized that Finn was going to tell Ray something four times in this movie, maybe that <laughs> that 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 moment of the kiss wouldn't have been so maybe confusing. 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 Yeah. <laughs> right. So I, I feel like maybe I don't know, because I like a lot of interpretations that I can bring to the table for that moment, for that kiss and where and how it went. But I also am fairly disappointed with uh the you know essentially being uh, almost deliberately fed a loose end in Finn and Ray, uh, which is which is a bizarre thing because this isn't a movie that seemed very interested in leaving loose ends hanging. So, um, yeah, I don't know. Uh, Nor is this that. movie a romance, right? Nor did we do we normally have any expectations of lingering romantic relationships throughout the course of Star Wars. It's not a movie you think or a series you think about like this. The major romantic well, Han is effort, exactly, which was not even there, like never on screen. That was never on screen. Like they, there was a whole life where they had a child together and a marriage, and that was marriage. <gasps> that was marriage story. <laughs> sorry sorry it hit me Spo- hard. No spoilers <laughs> no, i haven't seen it yet yeah. no I, so this is this is the thing that that i think was is sort of challenging like i i, I totally agree that, that was that was a loose end that i just is regrettable and i worry that now we're recording this on saturday by the time it goes live in our public feed jj or somebody's going to come out and answer that question and we'll just totally have missed it and i that's dumb but <laughs> maybe not <laughs> Well, it won't matter because the movie is what it is. He's not going to yeah. go back and put in a scene in the theaters. Well, they're doing so. that in Cats, right? Yeah. <laughs> Isn't that crazy? <laughs> they're doing it in Cats. So weird. <laughs> anyway. Well, I know there's stuff that we could talk about all night with this. There's so many other. Yeah, I'm really glad you brought those up, Jordan, because, yeah, there are plot holes. There's times when, you know, Ray's staring off into nowhere and they ask her what she's looking at. She says nothing. And uh, there's just there are weird things like that in the movie. But uh, we don't have all night to talk about it, unfortunately. So maybe it's time that we rank it. We've got all the movies that we talked about on this show ranked over at flickchart.com slash TNRfilmboard. Flickchart is a very cool site where you can create a tournament-style stack ranking of your movie preferences. So go check it out and find out how your film favorites fare against ours. Where do we start, Andy Nelson? All right, first up, we have Star Wars The Rise of Skywalker or Hail Caesar. Rise of Skywalker. (laughs) The Rise of Skywalker. Uh, Star Wars. Every time. Star Wars. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, well, we'll uh, see. <laughs> any, any, any Star Wars will go above Hail yeah. Caesar. Right. Yes. I know some of you love it, but eesh. Star Wars The Rise of Skywalker or Captain America Civil War. Oh, Civil War. Ooh. I'll take Civil War. Yeah, I'm going to have to take Civil War. Man, whoa, whoa, guys. <laughs> guys, my world just split in half. Wow. I'll take Civil War then, too. I think they're pretty equal for me. So I, I, I would be happy with either way that this vote went. Uh, here's a Star Wars battle. Star Wars, The Rise of Skywalker, or Solo, A Star Wars Story. Rise, Rise Skywalker. of Skywalker. Yeah, yeah, I don't even need to answer that. 
I don't know. <laughs> I, I almost want to say Solo, uh, but I'll say Star Wars or The Rise of Skywalker. You'll say the actual Star Wars movie? Yeah, that's right. Yeah. <laughs> I just, can, I just take, can I just take any of the other ones? All right. Rise of Skywalker or Captain Marvel. I'll take Captain Marvel. Oh, Skywalker. I'm going to take Skywalker. Skywalker. All right. Star Wars, The Rise of Skywalker or It Chapter 2. Skywalker. Ooh, Skywalker. It's Skywalker. It Chapter 2. <laughs> Star Wars, The Rise of Skywalker or Split. I'll take Split. <laughs> I'll take Split as well. Skywalker. Uh, I think I'm Skywalker on this. KP Man, and Andy, you really didn't like Skywalker. <laughs> yeah, see? That's yeah. fair. That's fair. That's fair. Pete and Andy, Rochambeau, right, please. Andy, here you go. Ready? All right, here we go. Mm-hmm. One, two, two three, three paper. scissors. Oh, God. I just <laughs> got wins. to work on my Split opening roll. <laughs> That's right. Well, Star Wars The Rise of Skywalker landed on our chart in spot 25 out of 87. I think that's probably okay. That's about 71%. Yeah, yeah. Where are your guys' stars? So out of fives and point fives count, I'm giving it three and a half for me. Three and a half and a like was for me. I liked it and it was a three and a half. I will not participate in your uh, <laughs> Oh, I forgot. You hate rankings. Yes, that's right. I hate these so much. <laughs> uh, and this one, what do you got? This one ended up on my flick chart at 81 out of uh, 1,423, believe it or not. That should be, according to flick chart's algorithm, it should be uh, four and a half stars, which is a, two, a half star too generous uh, for me. I had enough of the mechanical problems uh, it, that uh, I, I just, I, it was just too rushed. So I'm, I'm going to land at a four star and be happy with it. I, uh, this is a Star Wars movie. I know I'll watch it again. Um, I, and I will certainly enjoy a lot of parts of it, but I will also be frustrated with this film almost more than any of the other ones. Um, I'm at a two and a half, but I still will give it a heart. Two and a half, three and a half, and four. So yeah. probably somewhere around three ish, three and a half ish. That sounds good. All right. 3.33. Very good. So where do we go from here? Jordan, what are you guys doing next on Nerd Critic? Well, we're on. We're we're going to be breaking for the holidays when we come back um, next year. I think our first episode is going to come out on the 10th of January. It'll be about our top 10 of 2019, which if you do in January is always premature because it'll take me six months to catch up with even half the movies that I didn't see this year that I wanted to. <laughs> yeah, um, right. But we'll do our best. And that's what we'll be coming back with. Nice. And next month on the film board, we are taking a break for the holidays, too. So we don't know what we're going to do next month yet, but we will be figuring that out and we'll publish it on Discord when we do that. How about on the main show, the next reel, Pete and Andy, what series are you guys working on right now? We are about to kick off what I think is a really fun series as we wrap up our Steve Martin uh, series with all of me this week. And then next uh, we kick off our Colin Higgins starting January 2nd. Colin Higgins is a writer-director, fantastic, uh, behind the movies like Harold and Maude and Silver Streak and Foul Play and Nine to Five and Best Little Whorehouse in Texas. And oh my goodness, that's the whole series we're doing uh, through January. So I hope you'll stick around and listen to that. That's awesome. And as always, the best way to connect with us on this show is to support at patreon.com slash the next reel there or at the next let us know you want to hang out on our discord server where we gather with everybody and discuss lots of remarkable things from throughout the entertainment universe there's a lot of mandalorian talk going on over there right now too and that's where we'll keep this conversation going but for this one see you next time jordan peterson thank you guys say good night pete right good night jj and happy trails andy nelson happy trails to you until we meet again have a happy holiday season everyone at the next reel when the movie ends Our conversation begins. Till next. 
Here on the film board, we have covered quite a variety of great page-to-screen adaptations over the years, from superheroes like Christopher Nolan's The Dark Knight Rises, based on stories like Nightfall and The Dark Knight Returns, to horror and sci-fi like Max Brooks's World War Z and Hiroshi Sakazuraka's All You Need Is Kill, which became one of our favorites, Edge of Tomorrow, with Tom Cruise and Emily Blunt. And who could forget Andy Weir's stranded astronaut adventure, The Martian, or Dave Eggers' tech thriller, The Circle? Supposedly so much better than the movie. We've also explored Stephen King epics like The Dark Tower and It, biopics like Damien Chazelle's First Man, and sweeping sagas like Denis Villeneuve's take on Frank Herbert's Dune. And don't forget Martin Scorsese's Killers of the Flower Moon, based on David Grant's nonfiction book about the 1920s murders of the Osage Nation. I just finished the book, and it's fantastic. It's always fascinating to look at the source material, and we often do as the book lovers we are. For those of you out there who love to do the same, head to thenextreel.com slash originals to find all of our past episodes and dive deeper into these adapted stories. And it's not just stories. We've included things like the video games Uncharted and Detective Pikachu. That's right. TheNextReel.com slash originals is your one-stop shop for in-depth looks at the sources for cinematic adaptations that we have discussed. Every purchase you make supports the film board and The Next Reel's family of shows. So what are you waiting for? Head to TheNextReel.com slash originals and get your next read today. (laughs) 